Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to the Natural Born Hunter podcast. And tonight, we're going to start out with this. Phil, what is better than getting 10% off on your Mountain Ops purchase? Getting 11% off your Mountain Ops purchase? That's true. And what's better than that? Well, we can walk this all the way up, but let's just go ahead and jump right up to 20% off, Will. Yes, let's not annoy our listeners by going <laughs> increment by increment till he gets 20%. <laughs> if you want 20% off your next purchase from Mountain Ops, go to GetMountainOps.com, enter the coupon code NBH20 at checkout, and boom, you get 20% off. I encourage you to do so. I love my Mountain Ops. Hell yeah, they've got great proteins, pre-workouts, they got little... BCA pills that I love, multivitamins. I mean, if you want to get jacked, just take a little Yeti, and you will be well on your way. That's it, man. And you can't beat the new flavor of the Yeti. So check it out, everybody. Once again, NBH20 at checkout. Also, uh, we are able to provide to you a pretty sweet gift code from Maven Optics which is NBH gift. If you enter that at your checkout, they will send you some free Maven swag with your purchase. I mean, these are probably one of the hottest binoculars out there today. They're fully customizable, you know, when it comes to camo patterns, colors, and not only that, they're great glass. I'm going to have Phil tell you a little bit more about that because he had a really nice expensive pair of binoculars and he sold them and got himself yeah, some no, Mavens. I Absolutely, man. I mean, when you when you look at us as hunters, we want the best bang for our buck, right? And not everybody has fifteen hundred or two grand or twenty five hundred dollars to spend on a pair of optics. So why not get as close to the good the quality of what those two thousand dollar pair of binoculars are for half the price? You know, I mean, Mavens put a excellent product together. They've eliminated the middleman and brought you the hunter, you know, the best product they can put together and kept it in a reasonable price. So, you know, if you don't believe us, you know, they're out here, they're finishing first or second in, in all kinds of awards when they're putting their binoculars out there for an independent review. They just took second in a recent review on their spotting scope. And that's, there was over 30 entries into that review. Uh, all the big boys were in there too, ladies and gentlemen, and Maven, yes, on their new spotting scope, took second place in there. I mean, if that doesn't tell you, you know, that they're, they're putting out top-notch quality products, you know, I don't know what it is. Listen to me. It's money. Listen to Will. You know, they're giving us, they're giving us and our listeners the opportunity to, you know, look, if you're watching, check out this sweet hat I got on. I mean, that's a, that's a, that's a sweet hat right there I got with my binos, right? So check it out, man. They're going to kick you a free gift. I encourage you to support the companies that are really keeping the hunter in mind. That's right. So it's for Mountain Ops, NBH20 for 20% off your purchase at checkout. And for Maven, it's NBH gift at checkout. Try them out. Yeah, mavenbuilt.com. Yeah, maven that's right. That's right. So get on over there and try them out. And now go on and enjoy the show. <laughs> Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to the Natural Born Hunter podcast. This fine evening, uh, this is Phil Mendoza leading off the show tonight. And I not only have the pleasure of one red-bearded gentleman tonight, I have the pleasure of hosting the show and having two red-bearded gentlemen on the 
So, Will, as always, man, welcome to the show. Thank you. Thank you. Your your voice is smooth and buttery like silk. Hey, man, this is awesome. And and our guest tonight, friend of mine, longtime friend, he's rep for companies like Black Gold, ASAT, Heads Up Decoy, Ben Gatormson, no stranger to the outdoor industry. Welcome to the show. Thanks for having me on, guys. Hey, for sure, man. So I just got to say, if you guys are watching, uh, if you're listening to this episode, let me try to paint the picture for you here. So Will is a little more cleaned up tonight, trimmed up. He's got the little baby now, you know. Um, Daddy's got to be clean cut. And Ben is still full on grizzly with his beard, as always. If you guys follow Ben on social media, you, you know what I'm talking about. But nonetheless, if you put a blindfold maybe like over the eyes and you just kind of go from the nose down, hey, man, it's a, it's, it's a, a very similar picture I'm looking at here. So, um, gentlemen, I, I mean, it's welcome. How are we doing today? You know, I'm feeling good looking. I'm pretty sure Ben's <laughs> feeling good looking. So, And Phil, as always, you're the big sexy. So this is just going to be one hell of a night. There you go, yeah. Hey, man, for sure. So, um, Ben, you know, we, we, we were talking a little bit before the show started about traditional archery, right? You're uh, uh, newly acquiring the, the, you know, working on the skills of, of becoming a, a trad archer for, are you going to be doing big game everything this year with it? Yeah, you know, I've, I've kind of I've decided that... Uh, you know, it's it's something I'm gonna I'm gonna go into. I'm gonna I'm gonna give it everything I got. I, you know, I've got a lot of friends that have kind of jumped into it and then kind of gone backwards a little bit. You know, they've they've you know got a recurve, they're shooting it, they're enjoying it, and then they go hunting and they bring their compound. So, um, and uh, with that, it's I don't know. I just I I like to challenge myself, I guess, and. I mean, already this spring, I, I've had a fantastic spring. I've done a little bit of hunting uh, for turkeys and a little bit of bear hunting, and I've been able to take uh, three turkeys with my reeker so far this spring on Nebraska. And uh, I was I was bear hunting with a good friend of mine, and the other night, and I had a I had a really nice black bear that we we'd spotted. Uh, and we got in really close. I got in probably 25 yards and uh, got a little bit too aggressive. I could have killed him with a compound as he was kind of moving away. But um, that's, I guess, the commitment. You make that commitment and, you know, you, you have to be ready to not, you know, have that harvest opportunity like that. I mean, it was a good bear. And all day long, I, I mean, there were two or three points in the stock that I could have shot him with a, a compound, no problem. But... You got to get in so close with a recurve; it just didn't happen. So, so. so, I've got a question. I want your opinion on it, Ben, and also yours, Will. Um, but it seems like there is a lot of people. It just seems like there's more people than usual converting over to try to shoot some some trad equipment, right? The whole trad life deal. And mm -hmm. I, I just want to start off by saying, I believe that that type of archery is a dying. The people that are knowledgeable enough to coach that and teach that are few and far between, right? There's not as many people out there because of the advancements in technology. So, but because of that, I'm just curious. We see this this huge influx of people shooting recurves, and I think it's great, right? I'm I'm of the opinion we're all on the same team. However, is this a fad? 
is this something that's going to go back here in a year's time, two years' time? Or like you said, many people that will deal with hardships or, or maybe just don't get it done where they're used to getting it done with a compound, and they're just easily going to trade in their, their recurve for a compound. again. What, what's your thoughts on it in, jet, like in a bigger scope? You know, I, I honestly feel like, you know, from the, from the traditional perspective, and, and again, I'm new at it, so I'm looking at it more from a compound shooter's perspective. I feel like uh, its popularity spike, I think some people will embrace it. Um, and I think, you know, I know guys that hunt two, three years before they kill their first animal with a, with a recurve. Um, you know, there's a guy in town where I live here in Bozeman that, that's, you know, Shot, uh, shot recurve for a number of years. He killed his first elk last year, and it took him four years to do it. And, you know, it's it's one of those things. You, you have the resources available. I think I think that people that embrace it, I, I do think that it, 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 I mean, there is a little bit of a kind of a fad thing that's happening, but I feel like it really, really, I mean, somebody that's passionate about archery, and not just trying to impress peers or something like that. Those are the guys that I feel like are going to embrace it more and and go with it. Um, you know, there's always that let's do the latest and greatest that everybody else is doing. You're always going to have that kind of follower base. But I, I feel like that with the you know with with the passionate people, the people that are really really into it. Um, you know, for me, what it did. You know, and I'm I'm coming from a background I feel like is similar to you, Phil, and. Uh, you know, from what I know about you, you, you do a lot of shooting, um, you know, from a, from a technical standpoint with the tuning and, uh, you know, the, the, the 3D archery and, and stuff like that. I mean, I, I did that for a number of years, and there comes a point where you almost get kind of burnt out on that. And that's I've gone through that a couple times now. Um, I shot a ton of 3D archery competitively back in the Midwest when I first got into it, and then transitioning as I move out west I you know took a couple years to acclimate to the area and kind of learn you know how far do I have to travel to go to these and, and then I started shooting them again and I, I shot them for three or four years and and now I'm kind of on the recession of that where I'm kind of withdrawing from that and picking up a traditional bow for me added another level of difficulty as well as you know it it brought back to me the enthusiasm that I had when I first started picking up a compound and really getting into it. So, you know, when that desire to shoot was, was more, you know, it, it was, it was more present, you know, where with a compound, I mean, I can, I can go out and shoot good groups and shoot out to distance. I mean, I've got a 90 yard range in my backyard, so I have the ability to shoot and it, you know, it's it just the repetition. It, it just gets boring, you know, shooting at an elk target, at that far, you know, you can, if you're a proficient shooter, you can hit that elk in that, in the vitals every time. And then picking up a traditional bow, having to almost start from the beginning and relearn all that. I've, I've kind of reignited a fire in myself where I've had that desire to shoot more and it's been more enjoyable and, and stuff like that. I don't know if you've ever experienced that Phil, in your, oh, in your yeah. shooting and stuff I, like that. I've definitely had my, my, my times where, you know, again, when you're trying to be as competitive as you can, it, you almost have to approach it like a job, you know. Mm -hmm. And when you do that, you take a lot of the fun out of things. And 
and that's where with me with I haven't I haven't shot a with the exception of the train to hunt stuff a national level tournament in two years, and in exchange for that, you know, being really just in the grind and practicing every day, I just have really focused my energy on hunting again. And it's not that I never did; I stopped. But what it what it really did for me was where I found my refreshment was just looking forward to hunting with different guys and doing different things and then drawing a sheep tag. It was like, it, it just really woke me up again to the, I mean, I grew up hunting, but it's, so it's the same kind of deal in a different scenario, right? You, I've hunted all my life, but at the same time, sometimes you just feel like you're going through the motions and a change is good now. And I don't, I, I, I want to just say, you know, if, if people want to go back and forth to, to traditional, to, to compound, man, I don't care that that's, that's on you, right? If you're mm-hmm. shooting and you're bow hunting and you're part of a, the group that we're in, I'm I'm happy, right? The, the more of us, the better. I just I'm just saying, where yes, the the hardcore guys that want to you know pack in and, and live off their back and do that kind of style hunting and really be extreme, a lot of those guys are even like you said, just turning it up one more notch and saying, okay, well I'm already doing it as hard as I can, with the exception of let me go ahead and do it with the trad bow now. And yeah. I'm just gonna go ahead and say that I'll be the uh, I'll be the weenie that says I'd like to get, I'd like to shoot animals at 20 and 30 yards, man. I, I love I'd rather do that, you know, because I know that it's it's gonna be a my odds are gonna be really really high, as opposed to you know that that animal take a step when they're at 70 yards or whatever the case is. So I'm still I just I'm still loving shooting my compound. So. Yeah. But yeah, there is that. I, I see, you know, like Trevin, you know, stole this mutual friend of ours that, you know, with, we've had him on the show that he's, he had a, an episode on, on Outback Outdoors last season that really talked about just relighting that fire, you know, talking with Aaron, you know, at Aaron Snyder, same kind of deal. He's talking about how it, it lit that fire. Hearing the same thing from you, man, that's, it seems like, I'm not here to judge anybody, but it's great to see whatever it takes to light somebody's fire again, to get them motiv- yeah. you know, or remotivated. Man, that, that more power to you. Um, but it's fun to see because, like I said, you know, a lot of guys are are uh, are uh, switching over, and and like I said, I'm okay with it. I don't have any problems either way. I'm just still going to shoot a compound because, like you said, Ben, at the end of the day, you could have shot that bear with that compound numerous times, probably, right? Yeah. You took the cho- you you took the choice to to hunt with the recurve, and you know that you know your shot your your shots are limited based off of whatever the scenarios are now. I'm still trying to, I'm still I, I've got a lot of wall space I need to fill, so I'm still trying to do that, man. <laughs> <laughs> but I don't know. What do you think, Will? I mean, what's your take on the whole uh, trad life movement as of late? Um, I think any movement that adds archers to this sport is great. Period. Drop the mic. That's it? <laughs> not saying anything else on that. Okay, well. My, I'm just going to keep, keep my thoughts to myself, Phil. <laughs> well, I, yeah, and I, I don't, you know, if people want to, you know, I'm not trying to ruffle feathers. I'm just saying, hey, I, 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 I own the pro shop here in Denver that, that sells mainly compound, but we also sell some recurves, and we discriminate discriminate against no one right it's right. it's it's not about right. that you know but it, fuck it's, it. Let's it's get fun into to this. see all right here's the thing <laughs> here's the thing i'm be real with y'all i'm be real with y'all for a minute because <laughs> one i don't know when to shut my mouth 
Mm. And two, I don't give a fuck. <laughs> Here's how it goes. Some of you, some of you out there know, some of you out there know deep in your hearts, deep in your hearts, you're just doing this because you think it's cool and a bunch of other dudes with sweet beards like Ben are doing it. Some <laughs> of you, some of you, and that's fine. That's fucking fine. If that's what you guys want to do, you want to do it to be cool and be seen and hashtag trad life all the time, you should go and do it. That's what you should do. Some of you, you know, you found that passion. It got you back into the sport. That's great. You know, I'm all 100% for it. Anybody shooting a bow. I went, when I was down at Gotham Archery, I shot it. But at the end of the day, I walked out of there like, all right, give me my other bow back. This is nice. I'm done. This is like me going to God and saying, you know, hey, God, could you just make my penis a little smaller so life is just a little bit harder for me? It's like, no, it's hard enough. You know, I already got an uphill battle. Why, why struggle more? You know what I'm saying? I, I'm just starting to get good using the one I got. I'm not looking to start from square one all over again. So before we go too far down that rabbit hole, we all know, Will, you only need to fool one woman. Okay? You don't need to fool many. Okay? So good. as long as you fooled one, and I think the three of us already have fooled our, our, our one, so at least one, and, and, and that's, what, that's all we need to say. So, but yes, you know what, it though, does Phil? appear at times. The better it, equipment, it, the easier to fool. Whether it's a deer or a lady, <laughs> hey, it, it, you know, the, 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 you know, like Ben was saying, it sometimes gets boring just hitting the same spot. I'm not bored with that yet. I'm, not, I yeah. still like hitting that spot, man. I mean, and that's where. <laughs> what, were we, what were we talking about again? <laughs> well, um, take it where you want to with that. Yeah. Right? But but, uh, but anyway, Ben. So so you've uh, we, we talk. I mean, we talk every once in a while, and and. And you've been telling me that I need to start incorporating something different in my game, and and it's decoying, and it's something mm -hmm. that you know you've spent a little more time with definitely than I have, and I want to get your take on that because I mean, in addition to rep for it's heads up decoy, right? Yeah, yeah, heads, heads up decoy. So you call heads up decoy most more than likely you're gonna end up talking to Ben, but tell me, give me your so give me your sales pitch just as far as your um, aha, aha moment or whatever it is with the decoy and that you just, it just seems to up your odds. You know, I'll say this to start. When it comes to decoying and animals in general, um, they're not magic. You don't pop a decoy up, something comes running. You have to assess the situation, the scenario. Um, there's obviously times when they're going to work and there's times that they're not. You know, so if you're, you know, quarter mile away watching a herd of antelope, as an example, um, and there's one dominant buck within that group, let's say it's, you know, the second week of September, most people are elk hunting then, but that's kind of when the, the, the antelope rut is, and, and let's say that one buck is, is kind of running these does around, and he has a couple small bucks in the group with him, and he's not aggressively pushing them out. This is, this is an example of probably not going to see the most effectiveness with that decoy. But if you hunt antelope in that window when they're aggressive and you get a buck that's incredibly aggressive with, you know, that group of does that's actively pushing the other bucks a half a mile, you know, three quarters of a mile. I mean, if anybody's hunted antelope a lot and spot and stock situations, 
when they get aggressive, I mean, they'll they'll run a subdominant buck a mile out, and then they'll run back in. So that's a scenario where, you know, the light bulb should go off. I need to utilize this decoy in that scenario. And if you can get in or get between that group of does and that buck as he runs that subdominant buck off, you're going to pop that thing up. And antelope are aggressive. They will literally charge and i've i've been in close on on herds where an antelope buck runs a you know a smaller buck off and another buck comes in and the dominant buck comes back in and literally did not slow down completely mowed over a smaller buck like head down like bull charge like not holding back i mean that's that's kind of the 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 scenario that you're looking for and and every scenario is different I mean that's just one example. So, um, <clears throat> and it's it's the kind of thing where it's going to allow you. It's going to it's going to the animal's going to interpret you as one of their own. You know, if it's if it's in terms of like the elk decoy, um, I've had situations where I've used the decoy to move in on a on a herd of of elk, and you know a cow catches movement. You you get in that stare down. You have that decoy mounted to your bow. When you move that around a little bit and just kind of keep your body movement to a minimum, you know, it's, it's basically the head and neck of, a, of an elk, you know, the, the part that's going to be swiveling around anyway. And once that animal that's caught movement, its senses go back to normal and it's kind of doing whatever it's doing, they won't really pay that much attention to you again. You know, it's, it's a situation where um, <clears throat> those kind of things allow you to get away with that extra little bit that you need to get especially within bow range, you know, and, you know, with trad equipment, it's even more important, you know, with compounds, you know, you, you can get away with that extra movement to, to get into position for a shot. And, you know, a lot of times if you're in the right scenario, that animal will come to you. You know, you can get that animal to pull away from the herd or, you know, like a calling scenario for elk, you know, they come in to where they can't see you know, they can see into where that, that elk collar is calling from and they'll stop and that's as close as they'll get. They're not going to come any further. If you give them that visual response, that, that visual object that they're looking for, that bull might commit and come in, you know, especially when you're hunting solo. You know, those those are those are the type of scenarios that, that I feel are I mean that that's an invaluable tool and I mean, you know, you you know, you guys are both hunters. You know, the more tools you can have for the right scenario, the better off you're going to be. Yeah, but but there again, so there's the guys that you know the the, the so-called ultralight kind of you know, I don't want to take anything extra. What are we talking on one of these decoys? I mean, what 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 does stuff weigh? They're they're light. They're super super light. They're you know, I want to say under a pound. Okay. They fold up into something about the size of a dinner plate. It's a it's a printed piece of fabric that's dual sided, and then it uses a you know plastic tubing. And you, there's a little mount that you mount either at the stabilizer hole where the stabilizer meets the riser, or you can mount it out at the end, um, depending on how you want your setup to balance and stuff like that. And you just slide it in, it locks in, and and boom, there you got there you got concealment you got attractant kind of all in one with with the you know the those decoys yeah and i i it it's something that in many cases right and this is something that i can speak from 
honest mistakes that I've made years ago and um and watching other people do the same, <clears throat> you know, some of the full body size boys, it's like people will just put that right in the middle of the open and then start calling five yards behind it, you know, as opposed yeah. to, like you said, maybe calling once you know there's an animal close or, or closer and then you introduce that visual right? it, yeah. it, at the right time as opposed to, you know, here's a flag of, of this terrible, you know, 2D silhouette of this animal and... It just doesn't look right, and mm-hmm. I don't know. I've I've not seen that kind of stuff work too often. Yeah, well, and you know, you always hear about that that perfect storm scenario where you know you you you're moving in on a herd of elk, for example, and you 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 hang a decoy up or stake it into the ground, and you move up twenty or thirty yards past that that decoy and you call and the elk comes from the exact direction you think it's coming from and it sees the decoy and it continues to come in and you shoot it when it when it's you know presents a shot i mean and that, i think that's the the issue with with a lot of the decoys that are out there now is is they don't give you much for options after you initially set it up yeah you know with with a decoy that's mounted on your bow that doesn't really affect your shooting ability or anything like that you can react to the scenario, you know, a bull's going to kind of try to slide downwind as it comes in. And if that bull comes in at a 90 degree angle from where you thought he was going to come from, those two dimensional decoys become, they look like a stick. There's no profile. It's not a three dimensional decoy. And when you have control over that, you can turn and reset up and react to each situation, which is something that's unique in that segment of the market, you know, when it comes to decoys. So do you guys, you, so you sell, obviously, the elk, the pronghorn, the deer, yep. the turkey. Do you sell any two-legged deer decoys? Nope. <laughs> Everything is, is basically. <laughs> you didn't get me on that one, Ben. You didn't get me on that one. <laughs> oh, okay. Well, uh, over my head, I guess. <laughs> Sorry. We two, were, two-legged decoys. We don't have any human decoys. We, we, were, talk, we were talking earlier. Yeah. I just had, I had to ask the question you, if there's any female decoys. <laughs> I don't think they'd work, Phil. They wouldn't let you in that bathroom. <laughs> well, I don't think I want to go in the bathroom. <laughs> ben, do you happen to have any of these on hand you could show us? Yeah. Uh, I've actually got some. Um, give me two seconds here. I'll be right back. I'll grab them. No I'll problem. give you all the time. You know what, Phil? I bet, though, in some lipstick and a wig, I could fool some people. Not with that beard. No, think so? no, I'd be more likely to fool some people than you. I'm just no, saying, no. Just I'm saying I could get you to fool some people. I'd dress you up nice. Yeah, yeah. Um, you yeah. got that smooth, smooth baby face. Easy, easy. No one hey. in North Carolina would even question. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, let's not get into that topic, Will. One the, thing: the, the one trad th- life stuff. The, the trad life stuff's easy. That that's that that whole male female in the restroom stuff that's a that's a ball of fire that we can stay away from but at some point on this <laughs> we are going to talk about the article i read that was bashing women in hunting we will be talking about that at some point did you see okay, that yeah we'll definitely talk that we'll save that no, for the I end did. of the show we'll save that controversy you know what did you guys did you guys hear michael Waddell's take on you know chicks with the big packs and and uh being fit in the hunting industry and all that did you guys see that? No, I didn't. Uh, I didn't know. <clears throat> I saw that going around Facebook the other day. Oh, I want to say that was older, but yeah, he goes into 
Yeah, I mean, you know, he, he's just trying to say anybody can hunt, which, yeah, anybody can yes, hunt. Anyone but can then hunt. he starts talking about, he starts talking about the photo shoots are more dangerous than the hunts that some people go on. And, you know, what the, they see, he sees this 100-pound girl with a moose rat crossing a river, you know, and that makes for great pictures and great, great articles and stuff, or, you know, but, but he's just saying how it's unnecessary and, I don't know. Ben, sorry, I mean, let, let's get no, back on that. No, we're definitely getting back into that because I got thoughts on that. But we will get back, into okay. that. back to the Let's decoys. see what you've got, Ben. We'll go back to the, to the uh, latest news topics in a bit. Okay. Um, oh, shit. I got all, uh, just about all of them here. I mean, what, what do you guys yeah. want to see? You want to see flash, the elk? Yeah, flash a couple of them, man. Let's see what they got. So this, this is the elk. And uh, you've got this. Basically, it's just going to mount right to the riser of your bow. You can... Spin it either way, and you know it allows you to give the the, the decoy some movement, and you know it's a. Uh, I mean, how does it fold down? Self-explanatory. Fold it, fold it down, Ben. So, for those of you listening to this, what you can't see is Ben's folding it down, breaking down the whole decoy. It's got like a nice internal. Looks like like a flexible wire system, almost like a tent. Is that what you would say that is, Phil? Yeah, Can it's 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 like a it's a tube system. It's, it's a plastic tubing. So fold it down. Yep. That's it. That's nice. And what's that made out of? It's it's printed. Uh, it's a printed polyester. Um, and it's it's designed to not have any sheen at all. Yeah, I like you got that. your ears that fold up, and then uh, your frame system just kind of folds within itself here. So there's take down and reset up, and I don't know, 15 seconds or so, not even. So that's good too. If you get into the animals and you got to do a quick deploy of that, whip it out and boom. Yeah. Well, and a lot of the a lot of the packs and stuff the guys are using these days have a like a quick access pocket, you know, where you throw like a rain shell or something like that. You know, you fold this up, you stick it in there, and you know, it it's it's flexible, it's pliable. I mean, it's you're not going to break it, and it's rigid enough. You know, it's. It's gonna, you know, stand up to a substantial amount of wind, um, and a lot, a lot of people, you know, that that have seen decoys and stuff like that haven't seen um, the heads up, and they've they've actually the people that use them absolutely love them. I like that. So that I mean, they've that been growing pretty darker. Yeah, that's not like a cheap piece of cardboard. You just you know throw it up and boom, you're no. you're out there. Exactly. And, and, you know, they have uh, the, the, the product line includes, you've got a cow elk. Um, for deer, you've got um, whitetail and mule deer, both available in or bucks. Um, here's a mule deer buck right here with the horns. I know. So these horns are basically just like a foam. So they lock on, and it's the same thing. It folds up real easy. You know, these are... You're not going to break these. I mean, it's just a—it's a simple piece. Of, it, it represents basically a—you know—you you get a mule deer buck that's rutting, and you get within a hundred yards of his group of deer, and he sees this kind of peeking over a hill. 
Um, I, I chewed at it. <laughs> so he's going to come check it out. And I, I mean, I've had, I, I killed a, a whitetail. Now you, you're, you're from back east, so you're, you're primarily chasing whitetail. I hunted in Indiana last year, and with this whitetail decoy, um, I decoyed in a buck that was bedded with a doe. Um, it was my last day of hunting, and uh, I just spotted a, a buck and a doe bedded. It was the second week of November, and uh, the, uh, the you know it was it was a your your stereotypical tending situation. That buck wasn't leaving that doe's side, so I I glassed him up, and I thought, well, I'll get down the wind and I'll work in and see. Uh, see what I can make happen and I I got into uh, about 50 yards kind of using a little bit of a draw on the back side of the field and worked my way up and popped the decoy up and he didn't see it at first so I snort wheezed at him and he immediately snapped his head up and looked got out of his bed started kind of quartering back and forth and each time he'd make a pass he'd get a little closer and the wind was perfect it was coming directly from him to me uh, he came in at 25 yards, and um, I, I shot him just as he kind of entered the edge of the woods. Um, and, you know, you, you tell somebody in Indiana or Ohio or Minnesota, Wisconsin, New York, yeah, I killed the buck from the ground using a, a decoy that was mounted on my bow. They, they almost point and laugh at you. You know, I mean, it's not a typical tactic you see used. And, the, you know, the animals aren't educated to do it either. And that's one of the reasons why it's so effective is most guys aren't willing to get out and really be aggressive like that. I think decoying is a very aggressive approach to any type of hunting. So I would I would love to do that. Anything to make uh, bow hunting whitetail more of a participation than a passive sport would be phenomenal. Yeah. Phenomenal. I'd love to do it. I think getting on the ground and mixing it up would be a tremendous opportunity to close some distance I couldn't before because where I sit, you know, if I don't, I was last year, I was lucky. I was able to spot it from far away, get down, work the ground because it was in my favor, but had it not been in my favor, I would have been screwed, stuck in a tree, watching deer, you know, basically not getting it done. You know, that would give people like me the ability who want to be more active. My, my wife, you know, she wants to be able to get down and get active. That's why, you know, she likes, scouting time because you you know we go around we do a lot more moving she she doesn't care that much for being stuck in the tree stand all day you know yeah and i think you well, could, and if, i think you could attract yeah, a lot just, more hunters too yeah well and and the thing is is you know still hunting as a practice is incredibly effective and um you know you get up into that region where that northeast region where you're at and you know tracking animals is Huge. is sometimes utilized Huge. in the in the winter um, I don't know if you have you ever heard of the Benoits up there. Yeah, well, the Benoits. They're they're big name around here. Uh, Hell Blood is another mm -hmm. big northeastern name, and then uh, also a little closer to me, the Donitos are big buck trackers in the Adirondacks. Real successful yep. guys. Well, and that's it. I mean, being able to be in that participation level as opposed to that, you know, being the, you know, you're basically waiting for something to happen. Uh, it's 
I, that 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 kill last fall in Indiana, it's it's probably the coolest whitetail harvest kill, whatever you want to call it, that I've ever had. Uh, wasn't it wasn't a huge deer, probably like a hundred and twenty inch deer, um, but I was I was. I, I, that story is so vivid in my mind, and you know, I've, I've killed a few whitetails, and I've killed some, you know, some mule deer and stuff like that. That particular hunt with the decoy, interacting with that animal, fooling him, making him think that that I was another deer. I mean, it just it's it's awesome. Oh, so and you you think about how many more opportunities it it gives you. So let's just say you're going to a walk-in access area and you've never been to it, and you're only op opportunity is you don't i mean let's just say you're four or six hours away so when you get there to hunt you're there to hunt so let's just yep. say you're on the ground some and you have the decoy up if you happen to bump something you might have a little bit better chances you may not you know completely blow it out or like you said or, or just you know walking in walking out if you happen to spot something like maybe you did it sounds like when you you spotted them laying down you know, it, yep. it was it was a perfect opportunity. So it, it's I think it's awesome, man. I mean, I agree. I've I've just started doing more whitetail hunting the last three four years, and I would love to be able to get on the ground and chase them that way as well. Well, you, you do a trip back to Nebraska, don't you? Typically yeah. every year. Yeah. And Nebraska is an excellent place. I mean, these these decoys were kind of developed for that open prairie type hunting, and any you know you you see that little hedgerow or that brush row. Where you get a glimpse of a buck and you know antlers or something like that in a in a CRP or in out in the the switchgrass, and I mean, you know, guys are killing animals in the wide open out in like milo fields and stuff like that with these decoys on a pretty regular basis. You know, once you have that animal convinced that you're not a person, it's like they they throw caution to the wind and you know based on the time of year and everything you can get away with a lot so oh yeah uh, you, got a, you got a turkey go decoy in there too yeah this is the turkey uh you use uh you use your own fan so if you buy this decoy basically it, there's a little thing here that you can see that sandwiches this together there's a clip here that locks it in and then this is just a turkey fan from a Merriam I killed, I think it's South Dakota. But yeah, I mean, you pop this in, and this is the reason I killed two turkeys this spring with a trad bow. And uh, I hear it all the time from first-time users. A lot of people are seeing these videos of guys reaping these birds. They're using something like this. They're, they're working up. Um, you know, the this, this scenario that I was in this spring in Nebraska, I mean, I, I had a weekend to hunt was all, and I, I made the drive, and um, in three days, I had charges by three different birds, and I killed one at four yards, I missed one at six yards, and I killed another one at ten yards. So you, you talk about getting, you know, trad boat close, I mean, four-yard shot is... I mean, people miss that just because they're, you know, their balls are up in their throat. <laughs> you know, the adrenaline rush you get is, is incredible. And, I mean, it's, it's, it's a big bird, you know. And having that, that first bird that came in to four yards was, you know, I basically got ahead of him. He was working with some hens midday. Um, I got up along this edge of cedar, uh, edge of some cedars, and I just kind of stuck it out. And he he hadn't strutted since I'd seen him. As soon as he, he saw the tail fan on that thing, 40, 45 yards, 
he went into full strut, kind of displayed to the left a little and displayed to the right. If you see turkeys, how they, they want to kind of show off or make themselves appear big. He came out of full strut, went into half strut, and basically trotted at me. And and I, I was like, okay, here we go, you know. Let's see how close he actually commits. And he, he kept coming and kept coming. And I'm like, at 10 yards, I started to draw, and he just kept coming. And at, like, the last second, he kind of veered off to my left, and I just kind of tracked with him with the that recurve. And, uh, I mean, made a good shot. He dove down into some uh, – some cedars and I mean, it was like this trad thing ain't so hard, <laughs> but it really is. So <laughs> up close and personal with that one. Yeah, exactly. So and then I mean, it's it's it, I must have hit it just right with the birds in the right attitude because those those three days were the next morning a bird that we had basically put to bed. I got in front of him and he came into six yards and uh, he he came in and I had the wind with the the sun was behind him, you know, so I was looking into the sun and I think he, you know, he, he figured out something wasn't right. Um, as he was coming in with same thing. I mean, he, he stopped at about 40 yards. And then as soon as he saw the decoy, he, he came trucking in his hands were kind of working my way. And he came in and at about, you know, five yards, he's like, came out of strut. He started putting and, you know, did the bob and leave and, you know, I was already committed and back and I'd let one fly and he went left and my arrow went right. Kind of one of those things. So, but it's, it's a fun way to hunt. It, it really, you know, I mean, it's the same thing. Will with deer, it's ground blind for, for turkeys or, or this option and deer are like tree stand. And if you have the tools with you, it's, it's really, it's the, it's a way to kind of add more to your toolbox, so to speak. I think you just convinced me to go full. You know what? I'm not. I might not be getting on hashtag trad life anytime soon, but I think <laughs> I think you uh, might have just got me you know, on the on the decoy train. I think you just convinced me in this this little conversation about just making hunting a little more bless you, a little more action packed, a little more exciting, and just a little more of what I want to do. That's what I want to do. I mean, let's be honest. We all want to get in there and mix things up. Bless you. It's it and it is a skill. I will say it's a skill and one of the hardest things I have to do sometimes to stay in the stand when I see the deer coming. Any deer, any deer at all, you know. Especially as the season goes on, it's like you know, yeah. you know the feeling. You start feeling like I'm a failure. I don't know what I'm doing. This is terrible. It's getting harder. It's all those things falling through your head. And this will even if you don't want to stop deer stand hunting doesn't mean you're going to blow up your deer stand spot because you can go other places and try this out and yeah. just mix it up just just make the season a little more fun a little more interesting and that's what hunting's about and that's why hey people who are getting into trad people who are getting into getting into decoys women who are getting into hunting whatever you can do to make it uh more fun more exciting and bring more people into the sport i say go for it because i can see myself saying like hey guys no, we don't have to sit in the stand today. Check these decoys out. We're going to go out there and try to be these animals and fool them into letting us get close enough to make it happen. Yeah. yeah. And how many times, Ben, I mean, you know, you've, you've all hunted quite a bit and, and have, that, you know, you've call, you're calling to something, you're calling, and maybe you're hunting by yourself, right? And that animal comes right to you and ends up getting to where, I, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go ahead and say, I'm not afraid to take a frontal shot, right, within the right yeah. yardage. But a lot of people don't. 
and let's just put put that little decoy in there on their setup now. And if it if nothing else piques that animal's interest to where they kind of start to want to circle around, you may have yep. just opened up a shot opportunity. Exactly. So exactly. I, I I'm definitely interested in that, and I think I'm gonna try to incorporate that this year, along with one other thing that that I may be ridiculed for, but you know what? I'm I may end up trying it anyway, and and uh, I might take an Ozonics on my pack this year on a couple of trips. Because I, I, I've, I've used it in stand in, in Nebraska, and, and yep. I tell you what, man, I've been impressed with that thing. And I don't know, yeah. I, have you ever used one? I have, yeah, I had one. And, uh, you know, when I go back, when you're in a scenario where, you know, you can't, you know, you can't control wind change or, or directional change or something like that, you, you go to a stand, obviously the wind is your, your number one concern because it's the best defense that most of these animals have. You know, with the exception of like turkey, but I mean, bear, deer, um, elk, yeah. they're all like nose is number one. That's their number one defense. And they're always incorporating that into, into their movements. And, you know, they're using thermals. And a lot of people don't take that into consideration where an animal is going to move where it knows what's coming up yep. more than more often than not. And it's it's the, the times where they go against that rule that. I think is when a hunter can capitalize and that's it. And that little bit of a shift maybe, you know, I mean, how many times has a guy been, been in that situation where, you know, he set up the elk's coming in and then you feel the wind against the back of your neck and you're like, all gigs up 10 seconds later, it's done. Uh, you know, I've had that happen on bear. I've had it happen on elk, but having that little edge, you know, that, and, and I've, I've seen similar success with the, with the Ozonics myself. And, um, it's, it's, it's something that I, they're too big. I don't want to carry them, but, and plus I don't think anything is going to mask my smell when I'm in the <laughs> country. So, um, ask my wife, she'll, she'll, she'll vote. She'll confirm. Yeah. So. I don't know, man. They, they've come out with the little pack now that you mount, and then it kind of shoots the, the ozonics up over your, like, up above your, the back of your head. Have you seen them? Yep. Well, and I've seen guys incorporate things into, um, into packs where they just, you know, it's, it's a simple mount. And if you actually, if you stick a tripod under a compression strap and you mount that, like, basically just above your, your pack, yeah. it allows air in through the fan, and then you can, you know, yeah set it directionally so i'm i'm yeah like i said i'm gonna carry i i'm really i've got a i've got a mule deer tag high country mule deer tag that i'm one of those situations again right so do i need an extra two pounds in my pack i really probably don't but if it means carrying out some some nice fuzzy antlers i i i mean i'm gonna take it and yep. and i'm gonna try it i'm gonna mount it to my my pack and um yeah i'm gonna roll with it because like i said like you said that how I've had so many in, in uh, on pronghorn and mule deer, so many blown stocks because of you play everything right, right, and all of a sudden just something shifts when the wind shifts. And and I'm not saying that this is gonna take care of all that, but I'm gonna try it if it helps out. Just get maybe close that distance a little bit more, or you know the, the wind just shifts slightly and then it kind of goes back to another direction. Hey, you know if it just masks that one little, you know. Yep. It's that one time, that one yep. time, that little swirl of wind that kind of floats their direction. If it if it if it removes enough of your odor or enough of your scent, makes them question it enough. It's a situation where, 
um, you know, it's, it's worth it. At that point in time, I think it's worth it. So Hunting's a game that's made up of days, hours, months, years, and it comes down to those final seconds. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah, there's, there's, I've, heard, I've heard this analogy before. Um, you know, there's a hundred things that have to go right when it, when it comes time to, to harvest an animal, be it a deer, an elk, a moose, whatever. And um, I feel like to get to 95 or 98 things right, you can, you can do that. It's those final one or two things that make or break a hunt. It's always some small detail, and the more <laughs> things you can put in your favor, the better off you are. Yeah, no, I, I agree, and 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 Will. So so let's let's talk since we're talking hunting, right? You, you said that uh, uh, you read an article about something about women. Yeah, and I'm actually thinking we should actually start an official segment for this, like like what's what's you know the hot news in the hunting industry. Current, what's the going current on? events. Yeah, current yeah. events. So let's finish. Let's first finish this Michael Waddell thing. Tell tell me more. Man, you know, and I apologize because I, I watched it. It was probably a month ago. And, you know, he was, Michael's a very well-spoken guy, right? He, he's just, he's, seems like a very smart guy. But he, he was just talking about how you don't have to run marathon to be able to be a good hunter. Obviously, we know that, right? Um, but he was just saying how people are getting a little bit too carried away with trying to uh, perceive what people are doing with, and, and mainly he kind of just kept going back to that whole photo shoot thing. If I remember right, he said it. A, he's like, you know, a photo shoot's becoming more diff, more uh, dangerous than than a hunt itself. And I don't know what kind of hunts Michael's been on, but I've been on some pretty hairy hunts where, you know, shit can go south in a hurry. So photo shoot or no photo shoot, I call BS on that. Right? If if you're not getting if you're not hiking past 500 yards from the truck, well, then maybe then, yeah, probably not. Yeah. But, um, but yeah, it's, it's just, you see, like we talked before, you know, there's people that are, will stop at nothing, whether it's preparation, whether it's where you're going, that the type of animal you're going to pursue, um, the hardcore, the hardest core of the hardcore, right? And you already look at, I would look at bow hunting as being hardcore anyway, and then you see the people that that fall in that upper echelon or that that top five or ten percent, and those are your your extremist of of the extreme and your hardcore. There's people that there's a lot of people. I would say the movement of people that are trying to achieve that um, is is uh, I don't, I don't think that's a fad. I know that's not a fad. No, because we've seen that growing and growing, and I just think that. I don't know why somebody's got to try to poo-poo on, on, on that kind of so, a achievement or preparation. So that's what you were thinking he was doing was kind of it sounded spreading like some it. salt. He's a little salty about the hunter-athlete, you know, this extreme hunter movement going on. Uh, it sounded like, and like I said, I, I would encourage anybody just to Google. I'm sure you'll find it. I'll be you know, looking I'm at not, it right I'm, after this, remember. and we'll, we'll come back to it after I hear it too. But here's, here's my initial opinion on my thoughts on this right and him making it out there it's like you know what maybe it comes from him trying to um, point out something that he thinks needs to be said for the best and hunt, help the hunting industry maybe it comes from a salty place where he's you know seeing his 
followers, maybe follow someone more like Cam or Donnie Vincent or <clears throat> some of these other people, right? Who, name them. Name, name them. And, you know, he's kind of thinking, saying, hey, wait a minute, guys. Not everybody, you know, needs to do this. Not everybody does this. But guess what? When it comes to inspiration, it's it's those guys pushing the limits, the boundaries. It's the Aaron Snyders of the world, you know, the Phil Mendozas. It's it's guys like you who are going out there trying these new things, pushing, you know, decoying the hardest it can, pushing the envelope on, on your shooting yardage, whatever it, whatever it is you're doing. It's the people who are pushing it who – are making their passion, their work, their lives, and taking it to the extremes that people want to follow and people are being inspired by. And you know what? There's not a damn thing wrong with that. And yeah, I'm sure these photo shoots are getting harder and more difficult and they're getting more demanding. But name something in life that has been held back when it comes to progress, when the envelope wasn't pushed, when lines weren't blurred. Look at backcountry skiing. You know, I'll pull it back to that. Even look at fishing. Fish, people who, you know, anglers are making everything more difficult for them. You know, they have the own, the, what is it, is it pronounced the Tamakura rod, I think, that Yvonne uh, Chouinard is a big proponent of, which is basically a stick, a line, and then your fly out there. You know, that's all you got. None of the fancy reels and stuff. You know, there's, look at, look at it. People are always looking to be challenged. They're always looking for something you know, new they can bring into their lives to push themselves. And I think that's one of the best parts about what's going on in hunting now. Yeah, that, that's what creates an activity, a sport, whatever, a, a hobby to evolve because you keep pushing the envelope. And yeah. there's and the, the great thing about hunting is you, you don't have to be in shape. You can be overweight. You can, you can drive your ATV and, and hike up the last 30 yards to your tree stand, right, or get in a ground blind. Okay, that's hunting. That's great if that's what you need to do to get you out there. But why you got to piss on the people that want to do it the extreme way? And, and here's the thing. Well, well No, you go I, ahead, I feel like I feel like a lot of those guys, too, that are, you know, I mean, Michael Wydell is a great steward for bow hunting in general. Um, but I feel like I'm, I'm, ne I know I'm never going to experience a hunt like he's going to, you know, he's at that upper echelon where they're able to, you know, I mean, he's traveling around and, and providing marketing for his brands, you know, the bone collector stuff and everything else. And I, you know, I, I sometimes wonder how, how much time do those guys spend, you know, kind of putting it back in their Court. I mean, they're not going to experience a hunt like you did on your sheep hunt, I bet, ever. Yeah. Last year. And I, I feel like it's it's like a sheltered, you know, they have this, they're in this sheltered bubble that, you know, you know, that, you know, they'll never see what we see, you know, hunting public land and the, the adversity you have, you know, high country mill deer, I think that's a, that's a, something that is near impossible to try to film because of the you know the amount of gear you need and and everything else guys are doing it but it, it takes a ton of work and you know it's it's just a different perspective and you know i mean i i'll agree with the fact that i feel like some of the photo shoots and stuff like that they are a little out of control with, with you know like i've seen some ads with you know you can t you, somebody carrying like a rack, you know, an elk head or a moose or whatever across a river, and the the river's like completely iced over or semi iced over, and you know there's a flap of skin and the hide is tanned, 
you know, something like that. It's like, <laughs> you, you kind of like, huh, you know, I mean, not a lot of that stuff is genuine, yeah. I feel. Yeah. But, Here's, you know. If it's an authenticity issue, just start taking more pictures on these hunts people are doing, you know, I don't know. I mean, are we going to start complaining about what's going on in advertising? Are, are we going to be those people who all of a sudden are saying, oh, these yeah. girls are too skinny for commercials? You know, there's this, that, and the other thing. It's like, just the market's going to decide what the market wants to do. Nobody needs their fucking grandmother coming over and wagging their finger at them saying, y'all don't need to be doing this. It's like, was, yeah. Was, that, was the article you read, Will, about girls that are like kind of uh, just being bikini and saying they're hunting girls, that, that was it that same? I think I... I read an article where I saw something that talked about that. That a lot of the women that are in the yeah yeah you know, it was bashing, social media. Yeah, that that one in particular that got me a little fired up because I don't think anybody should be judging what anybody else is doing. If it's not if it's not you know messing with what you got going on, infringing on your rights and your your life, don't don't just be some salty doucher hanging out you know, throwing shade at all the women out there who are just trying to, you know, find a place to belong, find something to do because they got more Instagram followers than than you do. You know, tough bub. I'm sorry. You know, I don't know what to say to you. There's, there's... Hey, you know, I don't mean no disrespect, Will. You look great in some first light, but I'd rather see a girl in some first light. I'm just just saying, right? That, not, not... You know, Phil, I'm, I'm with you 110%. I think my <laughs> wife would look way better in first light camo. Or just about anything else than I do, you know. That's that's just me and my opinion. And yeah. if people want to follow these people, if they want to check out what they're doing, hey, maybe they got it. Whatever that it factor is, you know, some people have it, some people don't have it. Cause guess what? Every girl out there who's taking bikinis and bow fishing, all this stuff, they're not they're not making it big. You know what I mean? It's it's a, it's just a bunch of salt, a bunch of shade being thrown. And you know what? People better get used to changes in hunting because there's a lot of them coming. And they're happening. And they're happening fast. You know, look at the population. Well, it, it, it's it's you know back to what we were talking about earlier too. The whole traditional thing, the tradlock thing, that's been kind of blowing up all over the place. It's it's you know it's people are creating a, a cool factor that goes along with this stuff. And and women have every right to be you know part of the industry as anybody else. So you know, I mean, who cares? They're 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 just adding a different element. I mean, it's. You know, they're they're promoting the sport. I mean, aren't we all for more promotion of the sport? Yeah, and that's where you know a lot of people get upset because I, I tell you, it, it's it's really funny, right? What is social media and Instagram and, and Facebook and Twitter? It's it's people having a platform to show to, to display what they're doing, right? Whether it's family or activities or whatever it is. Now, whether some people go overboard with you know, uh, selfies or, or what, you know what, you can just scroll down, right? Uh, you know, just, just flip the page. You don't you have know? to follow them. That's my thing. You're choosing. Exactly. You don't see this unless you want to see it. I don't understand. It's like, like, and, and let's get back to, we'll, we'll sum up trad life, ath athletics and hunting and pushing the boundaries, women of hunting, uh, bikinis, whatever, whatever the thing is, right? Whatever you want to do, whatever bandwagon you, you may want to hop on, whatever movement you want to be a part of, whatever makes you happy, get out there. Do it. Do it big. Do it right. You know, and do it your way. Do it your own way. Maybe you find your own way to do these things. Just get out there, have fun, and do them. If I have an opinion, 
never never about anything never let my opinion stop you you be you you do yeah. what you want to do and that's the other thing is never let anybody's opinion stop you from doing it whether it's michael waddell myself whoever that guy is who wrote that article about women and hunting it's like if you want to be some bikini bow hunting model get out there in your bikini and become the best damn bow hunting model you can be yeah no i i agree i think that uh we as hunters are our own worst enemy in many cases you know with jealousy or with you know like you said you know not being able to support or if not if, if you don't need to support them just just flip the page if it if it doesn't interest you or concern you flip the page so you know if we can't again be on the same page because there is if we if we look at the bigger picture with anti-hunters and and you know, people trying to get rid of hunting or taking public lands or whatever the, the, the situation may be, you know, we need to, again, re reflect on the bigger picture and understand that that girl in the bikini over there that, that you know, maybe taking a lot of selfies of, of her camo bikini, she's another asset on our side, you know. So if we just look at the stuff that way and just kick back and just take it for what it is, man, I laugh at a lot of things I see on social media because it's, you know, it, it's, it's, some things are funny to me. I get entertainment out of it. Um, and, and other things don't interest me. So I just flip the page, but, uh, I don't know. Well, I mean, what was that, was that kind of the main thing that you saw, you read on that article? Will? was it just mainly that or was there something else you wanted yeah, to Yeah, that, that was really it. It's like, listen, every time I go to my grandmother's house, my Nana always gives me shit about wearing a hat, right? Always. It's like people, you don't have to be like my Nana giving other people shit on things you don't think they need to be doing. Let, let them do what they want to do. Just just let them do whatever they want. Because every time my Nana says something, it's like, Nana, I love you. I love you so much. And I will take this head off because out of res respect for you and I don't want to hear it. But part of me just wants Nana to be like, I like your hat. You know, that'd be a lot cooler if Nana was like, I, I like your hat. Where do I get one of those? That's 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 what I gotta say about that, guys. Is don't be my nana. Be cool. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm not gonna I'm not gonna comment on that one, Will. I don't want to. I don't want you know. I don't want any family problems. Don't get me wrong. My nana's a lovely woman, right? She's like 89 years old or something. Still mows her lawn every day. She's like, I'll never go into home if I die. I want to drive this lawnmower right over my creek bank. <laughs> And then, <laughs> it's like, so Nana's a badass. Don't get me wrong. She's a total badass, you know. So, but it's that thing of, like, guys, just have fun. Be, put out positivity. Let's do that. Let's all put out positivity. So here's my positivity yeah. is is get out there. Be the best trad bow hunters you can be. Get out there. Be the best women, men, whatever in hunting you can be. Do, do you go to the beat of your own drummer? That's it, man. I agree. And, you know, I don't want to. I don't want people to think that we're just on this podcast just uh, talking shit about haters, but I don't like haters. And no, uh, yep. you know, but so so let's let's go ahead and turn the dial and, and change the subject. And uh, Ben, we, I think we've got you for just a little bit longer. But what what do you have going on this year, man? I mean, you, you've got definitely uh, um. You you've got some things changing, I think, but uh, and I don't know how much stuff you you're prepared to talk about. If any, don't no worries, man. But I mean, tell tell us about what you have coming up, and then hunting. You know, what what do you what's what's that, what's your outlook for hunting this year? Well, um, up until here recently, I've I've been kind of handling 
a lot of the a lot of the stuff for ASAT, and everybody everybody's kind of recognized me from that. And um, I've I've moved on from that uh, that position at ASAT. I was handling the design uh, and the development of uh, some of the new stuff that they had coming out, and uh, um, you know, it, it just seemed like it was a you know, I couldn't see the light at the end of the tunnel, so to speak. You know, I with with that that whole situation. You know, I I had some opportunities and. You know, I, it seems like there, there's a constant flow of stuff kind of happening, and so I'm I'm no longer with ASAT. It's a you know, it's great pattern still, and uh, and whatnot. I just you know decided to change things up. So now I'm uh, I'm working with heads up decoy a little bit more, and I had been a little bit prior to that. Um, I'm doing some stuff with a couple other uh, industry partners, and I'm actually working uh, newly working with a, a marketing, a, a field marketing firm, so um, it's kind of got some, you know, hunting and, you know, infusion to it and, you know, some stuff out of the industry as well, so, but I'm, you know, I'm just kind of doing my thing right now, so. That's cool, man. What, you uh, you gotten uh, notice on any tags yet, or is the Montana draw yet to happen still? Um, our, our, our draw for, um, for deer and elk and stuff is done. And I didn't, I didn't hit on anything this year. I put in for some, some really tough tags, though. I mean, it's not like it's a, you know, a, a high percentage. I put in for some of the harder units in the state. And I, you know, I, I really found enjoyment in, in chasing elk and stuff like that and uh, uh, in general units. You know, I've been able to, been fortunate enough to find good areas and, you know, different spots I go into. Sometimes, some years they have elk, other years they don't. And, uh um, that's, that's kind of just been, you know, typically found success. I usually hunt, uh, you know, Montana has so much opportunity here. I don't hunt a ton out of state unless it's a primo tag. And I do put in for a couple other states. Um, usually I'll, uh, I'll do a little bit of scouting in Idaho. And if I find an area that I really want to hunt, I feel like there's a substantial opportunity there for me. I'll usually buy that tag. Um, and, uh, Outside of that, I typically try to get back and do a little bit of whitetail hunting in the, in you know, in the later months in November, you know, um, and uh, potentially Minnesota, Wisconsin, um, or Indiana. I think I might go back to Indiana this year. So uh, I had a good time there last year, and the area that we were in did get hit with a little bit of EHD, um, and uh, you know, the the numbers were a little bit down come in November, but you know, I think it's 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 just fun to get out and you know hunt with that recurve. It's going to be you know time spent. You know is what's going to produce opportunities. And I don't plan on uh, you know killing everything I can this year. Obviously with the recurve, but I'm going to go out and have a good time anyway with it. That's yeah. No, that's uh that's that's where that uh, I don't know, man. I, I I think part of it is I just like eating elk a lot. I. I mean, <laughs> I, I really do, and and I have not. I have I have a recurve. I've had a recurve for probably eight or nine years, and I, yep. I br bring it out every once in a while and shoot a few arrows, and then I put it back. And it's it's you know it's fun to play with, but that taste of an elk steak is um, it, that's motivation for me. So so yep. I, I uh, and don't get me wrong. Like I said, I like to, I, I'm I'm really trying to put a focus on just trying to get in closer. I don't have to. 
60 or 80 yard shot. I'd like to take the 20 and 30 yard shots, right? But mm-hmm. uh, I'm I'm trying to focus on the the get close movement uh, without changing my my setup yet. But um, we'll see. We're going to bring Will out to Colorado here this year, hopefully, and and uh, do an opportunity on some on some elk back strap and uh, get him motivated. So you're telling me I better go get an Ozonics and a heads up decoy? No, I'll run the o- Ozonics. I'll, I'll you, a heads up decoy. Yeah, yeah. You'll I think cover we both uh, of us. definitely. Uh, I don't know, man. We might Do you have, have a to twin be model. Like a t- we can walk together. Like a tandem, sky di- like a tandem skydiving. Till I got your back, Will. Yes, I like <laughs> that. I like that. It's perfect. There you go. Do you have any <clears throat> advice you can give people for bettering their decoying? You know, um, it's it, yeah. I've learned through trial and error more than anything. You know, when it comes to, you know, with antelope. You know, another example that I've, I've kind of come to learn is antelope have such a big bubble of where they're comfortable. And, you know, they're, they're using their eyes as much as any other animal to, you know, prevent predators from moving in on them. Um, the times that I've found success with the, uh, with the antelope decoy is actually being out a little ways. And this is, this is just an example of um, – You've got, to, you've got to learn by trial and error. I mean, uh, I think in 2013, I killed a buck in August in Montana, and I, I got ahead of his herd. He had like 30 does, and it was like well before the rut typically starts. And I pop up this decoy, and, I, and they, were, they were a long ways out. They were probably 350 or 400 yards out. And, uh, and I popped the decoy up. I thought, ah, oh, man, this isn't going to work. But it, the, everything was right. The wind was good. The, the sun was just coming up behind me. That's something I always try to, if you have control over it, you know, try to keep the sun at your back because the animal, it, it takes away their, their vision a little bit. They can't see quite in as much detail. You know, they don't have a, a hat they can wear to block the sun. So they're, they're basically looking directly into the sun in your direction, and, and it, it helps. You know, it helps with that perception of that that's, a, that's another animal. And at 350 yards, this buck just came, you know, I basically mimicked his movements. You know, and if you've ever seen an antelope rake a bush, they, they, they'll rake the bush and then they kind of snap their head back up. It's kind of a cool thing to see because it's, it's repetitious. They do it the same each time. And he would do it, and then I would take the decoy mounted on my bow and do the same thing and then snap it back up. And he ended up, you know, kind of working his way directly toward me. And he probably came 75 yards in my direction, so now he's at, you know, 250, maybe two and a quarter. And, uh, and then he just started running in and he ran in and he ran into like 60 yards and I shot him frontal at 60 yards standing there. That's, that's one thing with the decoy with antelope. When they come in, they come straight in. And when they, when they get close, they, uh, they stop and they're, they're positioned directly at you. They don't, they don't come in and turn broadside. Like, you know, you'd hope, you know, it's like what Phil says with that decoy, you know, you kind of get them to maybe work around to the downwind side or something like that. But that's a scenario where the next fall, using the decoy, I kept crawling in at like 100 yards and popping a decoy up, and I could never get these bucks to come. And they'd, you know, that I'd get so close that the, the does would usually spook and go the other direction. And I think I learned there that every animal kind of has its, its, its little bubble. And, you know, obviously the number one thing when you're using this decoy, uh, the does don't have that stage of, 
you know, all caution is to the wind. You know, the does are on point all the time, you know, be it a, a white-tailed doe, a mule deer doe, or an antelope doe. Um, but if you can prevent them from taking off with, you know, minimize your movements within their sight, they're the ones that are going to take, you know, maybe a rutting animal away from you. So, so that's, that's one tip that I've, I've used successfully. Um, I don't know, I kind of got off track there a little bit. I, I'm, I kind of like to talk. I don't know if that's good or bad. <laughs> that's good Will, you look like you're going to fall asleep. No, I'm, I'm, <laughs> I love it, man, because I'm, I'm very interested in trying it out. Uh, my other question <laughs> is this. What do you keep from some dummy from thinking you've done such a great job of decoying, you are the animal, and you're shooting your ass? Do you wear <laughs> some orange, or do you have, do you have like a safety measure? Because uh, here's the story I ask is I was up in a blind once on my property back here, right? All our land. Some dude, actually, my wife was in the stand. I was in a different stand. My, he, my wife's there, right? Some dude comes up under the stand and shoots out into the field. And it, it was at the point where I was actually on my way over to her stand because it was, shooting light was gone. I was just heading over to, like, meet up with her, right? Some dummy had come up, trespassed, and just shot out into the field at the deer. And she was like, what the? And he took off running. Never found him. But, I mean, if I was out in that field with a big deer rack on my head, some of the guys around here just wear orange or? Um, you know what? I, in that particular scenario in, in Indiana when I was, you know, hunting in November, it was actually opening weekend of firearm season. And I was on a, I was on a piece of private land. Um, it was, I mean, I wasn't walking around with camo and a deer head trying to decoy. I mean, it wasn't random, mm -hmm. so to speak. It wasn't just a random act of, oh, I stumbled on this deer. Um, I had an orange vest on. Okay. Um, but I, I walked up, the, you know, kept the decoy low, got to the point where I could see the animal. And at that point in time, you know, you obviously, you want to be really careful with that. And, you know, some people will say you're, you're crazy for using one of those decoys during a firearm season. I popped the decoy up, the, the buck got up, started walking back and forth, came in, and I was able to shoot him. And then immediately, the I mean, I, I literally took the decoy off, laid it on the ground, and didn't pick it up until I had driven my truck around that field edge. I mean, it's common sense, but obviously I would not recommend using them during any kind of an open firearm season. I mean, I'm, I'm primarily a bow hunter. I own a couple pistols. I've got an AR platform for for predators and stuff like that. And then actually in Montana, you can, you can shoot deer, you can hunt deer with a two, two, three. So, you know, if my wife has a tag and she wants to go out or something like that, she actually shot a, a nice mule deer last November. Uh, it was her first mule deer, like a nine year old buck, um, just big old gnarly, you know, didn't have, you know, a super huge frame or anything, but was on the downhill. He had like four front teeth that, it's fun for that kind of stuff, but I, I don't typically, you know, spend a ton of time without, you know, you know, outside of that, that archery season. So, <clears throat> this the new edition, Will? This is this is the new edition. They joined me for podcast now because, well, we just try to spend you know a little more family time together, and I like having them both around so much. Him and my wife, and she's heading to the bathroom, so that's my time to hold them. But yeah, this is Anderson. My little man, this is his second appearance oh. already. He's becoming famous. He's a little sleepy, as you can see. 
<laughs> hey man, that looks like a happy baby and all those those uh Facebook and Instagram pics you guys are putting up. Dude. He's smiling all the time. This this baby right here, let me tell you. I mean, other than my wife, greatest greatest thing in my life. Uh these he sleeps really well. He only cries when he's hungry, sometimes when we when he's getting changed. Uh other than that, this little man is just I just sit there and watch him. I just sit there watching him. You know, I was making sure he's alive too, because that's a little scary. I've <laughs> 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 never done this before. So <laughs> Nice. Allegedly yeah. there is there is handbooks out there to teach you how to do stuff. I didn't read them. Nah, just like hunting. I'm yeah. learning from other people. <laughs> yeah. There you go. They tell me. I, I'm actually, me and my wife are uh, expecting in December. So, congratulations. Uh, congrats. Is it so your that's, first that's, one? Yeah, it'll be our first. Um, I, I was concerned about having a hunting season baby. Um, <laughs> and my wife was gracious enough to to take some time off of trying. You know, we got married last June. And that was kind of the on our priority list was to 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 start having a family and stuff like that. And uh, we made it, you know, to the point where you know you hit August, September, and I don't know. I I, I enjoy time in the field more than anything, and that's just kind of what my year revolves around. And my wife was awesome enough to um, to let us, you know, kind of take a couple months off. So. I end up with a September or a November, you know, those those months that are just so awesome in the field. So um, she wanted to start early. True, true partner, right there. Yep. Yeah. No, man. I, I'm. I way out punted my coverage with my wife. So. <laughs> yeah. But do you know if it's a boy or girl yet, or? Not yet. No. Actually, we find out here in a in a couple weeks. So. Oh no. Uh, looking forward to that. You know and. I don't know. It's it's a whole new game, I think, after this season for me. So yeah, yeah, I'm looking forward to going into this season. I actually sent Ryan Callahan uh, from First Light a message. I was like, "You send me the material. I'm gonna make a onesie for him, so he's ready to go out there." Um, we're gonna take him on his first hike uh, this Saturday. Gonna go out do some hiking awesome. with him. Yeah, really looking forward to it. Just wanna, you know, you just you just end up wanting him everywhere with you. Yeah. You know. And, yep. So it's. Pretty amazing, I guess. Yeah, and until they get older, and you want some alone time with Mama, and they don't get out of your room. Um, <laughs> I can see that being a problem. Yeah, that's a problem. But you know, I'm not gonna bore the listeners with my with my problems. <laughs> <laughs> uh, hey Ben, so we, uh, like I said, we, you know, we've we've always kept in touch and i know we'll keep in touch moving forward but you know um good luck with with your future endeavors man i mean like i said you know we, we've known each other through different you were you repping for different companies and handling different things for for quite a few years now and and i know you're gonna be successful wherever you go man you you, you always seem to be uh pushing the pushing the envelope getting things better so um looking forward to seeing how you do man yeah man i appreciate that thank you phil yeah, and, and, and also with the addition of the family here, hopefully everything goes well with that. So yeah. we'll, we'll definitely, you, you plan, still plan on doing TA and stuff? And, yeah, and, yeah, I'm, I'm still going to be around, um, you know, I'll be, I'll be in the industry, you know, one way or another. And, you know, I've, I've got a lot of friends that I've, I've, you know, been, you know, been able to make in the industry, in the, in the hunting and, and archery industry. And, and I mean, 
I continue. To, I plan on continuing to be around for sure. So I'm not. I'm not taking uh, the bag in that regard yet. So. And um, awesome, man. We'll have to catch up. What shirt's that you're wearing? Go ahead. What's that? What shirt is that you're wearing? It's uh, Phelps game calls. Get them close. That's a cool shirt. I see you've got kind of the, the got the Mountain Ops logo on the side there. Yeah, it's it's kind of you know Mountain Ops did that really cool logo with you know their the M and the O. Uh huh. And then in the background there was a there was an elk kind of built into it, and this this is kind of a play off of that. Yeah. I like so. It. You know what else yeah. I like about Mountain Ops? What's that? Getting twenty percent off my purchase when I go to getmountainops.com and enter the coupon code NBH twenty at checkout. There you go. Let's see. Uh, Some good yeah. stuff there. So I like you, a discount. Nobody likes paying full price for their supplements, Ben. No. Why would you pay full price? Why would you go into No Limits Archery and pay full price when you can go get go online and get Mountain Ops and get 20% off? That's right. So don't go to Phil's <laughs> shop, No Limits Archery, in the Denver metro area where they have great service as well as Maven binoculars where you could enter the coupon code NBHGIFT at checkout and get free swag with your Maven order. Don't do that either. Hey, no, check out the Mavens. I, I got to put my hands on that spotter here this week when Brendan came in town, and uh, I, I'm, I'm ordering one, man. It's, it was money. Really? And uh, oh yeah, I I, you know I, it's it's funny you know having different systems as far as you know binos and a spotter or going with a bigger set of binos and a tripod or whatever the case may be. It to me it seems like it's 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 an ever evolving process and and seeing that uh, like I said getting my hands on that spotter and and just kind of talking with Brendan and and uh, understanding that product a little bit better obviously you know anybody who's hunted has used binoculars you know and, and growing up hunting it's 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 sometimes it was the, the cheapies that we use but uh more as of as of late been been able to put my hands on some nice equipment and and those mavens are money man the company that the their their goals and their their purpose um i really happy to be able to to call them friends of ours and appreciative of that bonus code too. Like I said, you get get you some free swag with it with your Mavens. That's right. NBH awesome. gift at checkout for Mavens and for twenty percent off your Mountain Ops purchase, go to getmountainops.com and enter the code coupon code MBH twenty at checkout. That's it. Well, Ben, appreciate you coming on with us tonight, man. It's always fun to catch up and talk hunting. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, always good to talk to you. Yeah, I'll be touching base with you to talk more about those decoys. I'm very interested. Yeah, I don't know. Phil, do you know any place in uh, the Denver area you can get them? Uh, I think we're probably going to be able to find a place here pretty soon. All right, cool. <laughs> yeah. No, for sure, man. I, I def we definitely need to get, get together and get some ordered. Cause I, definitely. Yeah, for sure. We'll, we'll talk soon. All right, man. Sounds Hell good, man. Yeah. All right, well, ladies and gentlemen. Little guy. This has been the Natural Born Hunter podcast. Wake up, chase your dreams, repeat.